Kennedy is marked on the line of the square. The attacking side of centre. And a few of those forwards are streaming towards goal. Kennedy, that he'll get the distance. Goes long, right to the goal square. Right! Oh, He's taken the mark of the year. Forget about the competition. Liam Ryan has climbed on Matt Scorn and taken a miraculous mark. You will see that again and again for the rest of the season. What a leap. Matera sets sail for home. And the Eagles hit the ground. Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top. Subic, great grab. Across the ground. Bam! In comes Donny Wilson. Inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a play. Sheik needs to be in perfect years. The Eagle has landed for the Premiers in 2018. G'day everyone, welcome to the West Coast Eagles Big Footy Podcast for another week. I'm your host Honey Badger 35 Coming up on this week's show, we'll recap the Eagles' victory over Melbourne, take a look at a shock loss for the Beagles, catch up on all the off-field news and preview this weekend's trip to Adelaide Oval to take on the Crows. But I won't be doing it alone. Joining me this week and bringing us all the latest from South Australia, please welcome Mr KK. How are you? Uh, I'm glad to be back. I apologise in advance for breaking our winning streak. No, we've moved on beyond that. We've uh, Every week one of us has had a little theory about Tipping us is a curse or not tipping us is a curse or being on the show is a curse. So we're good. We're fine. Club's in a good spot. Don't worry about that. It'll be a, be a good week to have you on, as, as I said, all the latest from, uh, from the City of Churches from you. Also joining us this week, our correspondent out on the road, hitting the pavements, getting us all the latest gossip, all the scoops. Please welcome Keys back to the show. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, yeah. Bubba wins, so as long as we keep banking them, we'll be somewhat happy. That's it. And with that, we might as well dive straight in, so let's get into it. Keys just mentioned it. A win is a win is a win, and that is indeed three in a row for the Eagles. West Coast 13-7-85, defeating Melbourne 9-15-69. Prelim final rematch that sort of lived up to the hype. It was a lot more of an arm wrestle than the prelim, that's for sure. Mr KK, your early thoughts? You, You saw the game? The Eagles got away with a win in the end. What did you make of it? It was a really enjoyable game to watch in the end. Uh, Melbourne really got into us, and I think we probably got a bit, bit fortunate that they wasted a lot of chances when when we were sort of three goals down late in the third quarter. We probably could easily have been five or six goals down by that point, and we wouldn't have come back. But the credit to the guys, we played a quarter and a bit of really high-quality football, and, and when it mattered, Melbourne just couldn't go with us. And uh, I think if we'd like to just sort of extrapolate that over a bit longer period of time during the games, but, but as Keith said, it's good to bank the win. There's, there's a lot of other teams that that are struggling and, and coming out the wrong side of results. And but we're keeping in touch with the top of the ladder and we just got to keep keep ploughing on. Well, the uh, game itself, like Melbourne, Melbourne were really good. Uh, I think, um, say, Yo and, Yo and Herm were probably our Two standouts. I might uh, pop myself up here. I said last time I was on that if we just focus on tackling, good things will happen. And 
Yo's been tackling like a man possessed since then, and it's just flowed into the rest of his game. So I'll give myself a rare pat on the back for that one. Spot on. Just the 16 tackles from Elliot Yo on the weekend. Keys. Uh, KK touched on it there. Obviously, the last quarter was terrific. It was possibly the best quarter of football we've played this season. So with that in mind, what did you make of the game? And, and given that we did produce at the end, would you have liked to have seen that for more or are you just happy that the guys stood up when it mattered? Oh, I think it's a bit of both. I think uh, yeah, we'd certainly like to see us put together more than a quarter and a half. Uh, four quarters of that would be good. But if we can win like that, uh, and I think you've got to give credit to Melbourne. I think they played well, um, certainly better than they've uh, than they've been playing. So you've got to you've got to give the opposition credit sometimes. And so well, look, they they did play well. I think the good sign is that in comparison to say the Port Adelaide game, for example, we adjusted and and, and sort of held our, held and didn't get blown out, aided by Melbourne's inaccuracy a little bit. Uh, but when it came time, we did we did sort of find a way to get around their tactics and uh, and ultimately get get the win. I mentioned it on the board. I had a bit of a discussion this week about it that Melbourne's style of game and the West Coast style of game are quite polar opposites. Melbourne in and under, heavily contested. Obviously, they go inside fifty at a ridiculously high rate, but they don't do that particularly efficiently. Versus the Eagles, you know, outside team, high possession, short kicks. We try and make it count when we go inside versus just peppering it in there. So ultimately, look, our game style did win out and that fourth quarter effort was really nice to see. And also, I think there's a bit of benefit in being tested. I think I feel that this was a bit different to the Gold Coast game where I think we just weren't at our best. In this game, no, we weren't at our best, but we felt like we were really getting tested by a quality opposition as well. So maybe good to get some runs on the board in that environment. But look, we can get into the nitty-gritty of the game in a minute. KK... The big story out of the game, or the big moment, the snapshot of the game, Liam Ryan has taken mark of the year, case close. It was his, It was you know a phenomenal game for him, probably his best game for the season. What did you make of the mark, and what did you make of his game overall? He'd been um, teasing for a while that he was going to do that, and yeah, fantastic mark. It was made even better by the, the way he ruined Gorn in the process. And as you say, it sort of topped off a really fantastic game for him. I think, I think he's been... Really good all season. He's been one of our better and, and more consistent players. And I think just credit to him when when we drafted and even pre-draft, there was question marks about his, um, I guess, running capacity and particularly defensive running. And in the the 18 months that he's been on our list, he's just come on leaps and bounds. Like the, the amount of ground he covers both ways. And this is a real, uh, real credit to, to him for developing like that and no credit to the coaches for yeah, using whatever approach they've used to, to get the best out of him. He sounds like a, a bit of a shy character maybe. I always give the impression there's a bit of self-doubt there so I think it's it's really good um, the coaches and the mentors at, at the club that have developed him the, the way they have And but, but all credit to, to Liam for the way he's he's improved his game and yeah that, that was a really really great moment like BT's call, you could see it a mile off, mm. and just the whole play. So he 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 might have even got the punch out of the back line from Yo. So he's got the ball sort of half back on the wing and run the length of the ground around the back of the pack and then taken a screamer in the goal square. It's an amazing bit of play. It was remarkable. I mean, you touched on the defensive run, obviously very pleasing, that aspect of it as well. And uh after a few weeks, a few lean weeks, I think we would all admit, of the forward line, certainly the forward mix not looking 
at its elite best. We got Willie Rioli back this week. He kicked an early snag as well, a nice classy finish from him, and it's it's starting to look a little bit more like the Eagles of old. Keys, Willie Rioli on his return, what did you make of his game? Yeah, you can see why they were probably so keen to get him back in the side. I think, you know, we touched on it last week as to whether or not we should give him a run in the waffle first to get him to find his legs and and then come back in. But he just adds uh, a bit of polish to the forward line. He's, I think, hands down our most creative player. And the way he, you know, not only generates his own goals but brings other players into the game around him, I think, you know, our forward line just looks a better functioning one with him in there. Obviously, he had the very creative goal first up early in the first quarter. He kicked a really nice set shot as well. Really good clean kick. Doesn't look to be, well, touch wood. Any any lingering issues with the with the lower legs there? Great kick from, from Willie. But also, an interesting thing that perhaps that brings up is, with the forward line mix how it is, it maybe allows somebody like a Jamie Cripps to get back to their more natural role, higher up the field, a bit of pressure, quite frenetic because they you know he might know that there's a more creative player over the back in Willie that's going to get those goals KK you're obviously impressed with his game uh, Jamie Cripps this is so possibly a return to form for him we saw a nice breakout against Collingwood and then a few quiet weeks after that so now that Cripps is in really Willie's in Petch is in Liam Ryan's in small forwards at the Eagles starting to look pretty dangerous yeah, that's a really good point you make about Cripps maybe getting a bit of freedom to get up the ground. His possession count was, was higher than it had been on the weekend, and he really did seem to be much more of a presence um, pushing up into the midfield and giving us a, a contest in the in those contests around half, half forward and through the middle. Yeah, I think I was one of the ones that I, I thought Rioli should have come back through the waffle, but it, it was probably more... Um, the impact can have on rotations that having a guy who you know is going to be playing limited minutes and what would happen if we lost players in another area. But I think he probably proved me wrong and just showed how valuable he is with only a few touches. That that first goal was just class and amazing touch for a guy who's missed two months of footy. I think it's pretty telling. Look, we'll all admit the Eagles didn't play their best game, certainly not for four quarters, but it's pretty interesting, I think, that We've talked at length now about the forward line. We've yet to bring up Josh Kennedy, who obviously had a great game, somewhat of a breakout return to form sort of game for him. Uh, four goals for Kennedy. But let's just put the uh, forward line to one side for now. We'll swing it across to the other side of the field, the back line. Case Shannon Hearn, 33 disposals, 13 marks. I mean, he was absolutely everywhere. His kicking was elite as always, just really surgical when he gets the footy. We're running out of ways to praise this guy. What a resurgence in the latter stages of his career for Shannon Hearn. Just how fantastic is this bloke to have around the club? Oh, he's brilliant. Brilliant captain. And he's, he's bucking the trend at West Coast. I mean, we've got a, a pretty long history of players hitting a bit of a wall once they turn 30 and, and their form falling off a cliff. But Hearn's going the other way. I think since he's, he's, turned, since he's turned 30, he's been playing the, the best footy of his career. You know, he's really he's really developed as as a captain as well um, to the point now where I think he's he comfortably sits amongst the top handful of, of leaders in the in the comp where you know if you go back two years I think there were a lot of questions as to whether or not he should be continuing as captain and and questioning his value as in that role um, but now he's 
he's just such a general. I think he's found a way to use his bulk a lot better uh, than what he... I mean, he body lines... He never really didn't body line the ball, but he's, he's more effective at it. He just steamrolls out. And now, too, with sides trying to find a way around McGovern, his inset marker, Hearn seems to have um, stepped into that role as well and is taking a lot of intercept marks in that back 50. Yeah, he just looks really settled. You mentioned, you know, he's a general. He is. He's really leading that line. We'll come to guys like Jetta later on, but but Jetta, Duggan, Shepard, these sorts of guys are all coming on leaps and bounds because I think there's a, a confidence there. You know, McGovern's a nice safety net to have, and he's a little bit more of a headline-grabbing player, perhaps. But Shannon Hearn is just the solid foundation that is really the whole team is built on. Uh, you know, he has a, a great deal of influence over how our games go. Moving away from the back line just for a moment, KK, you touched on Elliot Yo's game. Phenomenal from him. Luke Shuey, also very good. A couple of, perhaps, question marks around Jack Redden's game. And also, for me personally, I don't know if this is a widely held view, but Dom Sheed, he's wound up with 33 touches, but I thought maybe defensively he left a fair bit to be desired. Numbers-wise, it looks like we're getting our midfield mix back to where it was last year. But, uh, KK, do you think there's room for improvement in the guts? And how would you go about finding that, making sure everybody's getting back to their best individually? Yeah, I think it's more more individual. So it is guys like um, Hunt Hutchings had a few down games this season. Red had a pretty pretty cool game on the weekends. The Sheed thing, I it's probably something more noticeable if you watch the games live than on TV. You, you sort of see what he does off the ball and if he's getting ahead of the test. Um, his tackle numbers are a bit disappointing for a guy who spends so much time around the ball. You should be able to play a tackle or two. Um, I think we're just, I think the midfield's pretty good, and I think even all year we haven't been, um, we've been pretty good around stoppages. It's just we've been carved up and we've turned the ball over, and I think that's as much structural as um, guys flipping the team down, and maybe there is a point about being aware of what teams are doing, and I think we have learned as we go on that. Teams are going to try and plug stuff around the wall and you're going to put extra numbers around the stoppage you're going to try and run the other way. So I think we have been smarter in um, not getting caught from the side of things and having them run it the other way. Look, we might put a bow on the Melbourne game pretty shortly. Just a quick one for you both. Keys, I'll start with you. Nathan Vardy, obviously fairly towed up on the day and perhaps has been a bit down on the season. Uh, Tom Hickey as well, we'll touch on later. But it's clear to say that Max Gone won the ruck this week, fair enough. Nathan Vardy pushing Max Gone when he was down after the Liam Ryan mark. Do you care about that at all? Your thoughts, Keys? Any issue with that? In in isolation, I think you look at it, you probably prefer he didn't do it. I don't think... The guy's lying on the ground, he's had Mark of the Year taken on his head. Probably just leave him alone. Um, it's hard... It's, it's hard to know because, I mean, maybe there's a bit of frustration when he's getting beaten. There's been talk that Gorn might have been chirping at him all match, so he was just having a crack back. I don't know. I think probably you're better off just sidling up to him as they're running back to the centre square saying, you know, you're going to be on a few posters, mate. Um, when he's on the ground, I think you're probably best to not touch someone. I think Simpson handled it really well saying he's had a chat. It's not a good look. Where he didn't do it. That's one side of it. The other side of it is, I think, the way it's been pushed in the media is probably over and above what needed to be done. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a good look, but I think 
see that type of thing quite regularly in games. I think if uh, Bruce McAvaney didn't uh, go off during the commentary, I don't think anyone would have... You probably would have just ignored it. No one would have made much of a, a deal about it. But McAvaney decided to jump up on his on his uh, high horse and, and have a go, and, and everyone sort of piled on after that. So, yeah, you know, just forget it. I don't... I don't uh, I've seen worse things in games of footy, um, and... That act is not something that's actually all that unusual in a game either. Yeah, and I'd also suggest uh, any Melbourne fans complaining about that, you know, I'm assuming that that's the only game of Melbourne football they've watched in their lifetime because I've certainly got my opinion on uh, a few of their players, you know, making a big show, a big song and dance of it all and, you know, pushing people after the mark, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, probably not not a good look, but blown out of proportion. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, you, you touched on a good thing, I think. I think Melbourne were very, very good last year, puffing their chests out when they were beating bottom six teams by 10 goals. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think a few people that want to uh, have a crack at Vardy might want to watch a few tapes of uh, some of those Melbourne games from last year and see how yeah some of their players conducted themselves. Spot on. Uh, KK, your thoughts on this, whatever farcical controversy we're calling this, the Vardy gone incident, and then uh, any other talking points from the Melbourne game before we head along uh, down the list? I think it's a bit, just a bit douchey when um, you're sort of piggybacking off your teammate's effort when the guy's pulled your pants down all game. That's that's probably the only problem I had with it. If it was someone who actually had a good game, did it, who cares? Because in general, I do like our players sort of having a bit of bit of mungle and, and getting stuck in the, the opponent's faces. It just it sort of looked weird because Gorn had beaten Vardy so badly during the game, but Seriously, that's the main talking point out of the game. It annoys me every week that you can have some really great games and so many things that are actually worth talking about. And we're going to spend acres of print and TV time talking about a, a five-second incident where no one got hurt. Just yeah, move I'll, on. I just, yeah, I just want to jump in, jump in there quickly. Like, I can't remember who, or it might have been an article somewhere about... Uh, AFL is focusing on outrage and it, it, there seems to be one or two issues each week that, that jump out and that everyone gets their knickers in a twist about and you know we forget talking about the actual game itself and I think it was a really good point we spend so much time talking about negative things or like largely unimportant things and and not celebrating the really good things I mean that you know Brian Stoken one of the marks of the year, if not the mark of the year, and we're all talking about Vardy given going the little touch, you know. Talk about the mark, talk about the fact that this guy was criticised for being unfit, not working hard enough. He's just sprinted 80 metres down the ground to go to the contest and stood on a bloke that's got a foot and a half on him. Yep, spot on, Kay, spot on. Uh, KK, any last talking points from the Melbourne game from you? Um, nothing. McGovern's game was a bit underrated, I think. Um, I thought particularly in the second half when they when they tried to sort of make him accountable throughout the game and um, McDonald got off the leash a bit when Allen was on him. Um, also, I'd say Allen had a pretty good second half as well for someone who's played almost their entire AFL career as a, as a forward in his short career. Um, to be pushed back at short notice against a pretty good player, I thought he, he got better as the game went on. Uh, but when McGovern was forced to play as a one-on-one defender, he was still really effective. I think it's, a, it's an underrated part of his game. 
Yeah, good call, Ray McGovern. Also a very good call on Allen. Copped a little bit of flack early on in the game, in the game thread, and then when I went back and I was at the game, and then when I went back and watched the replay, I was a little bit confused as to where that came from because I thought, by and large, he did pretty well, especially at late notice. Um, so another good, that's another good sign out of the game. Also, the win, very impressive. It's currently sitting at six and three, but I think you know the main thing to take away and to remember is that for the third year in a row, the West Coast Eagles have ended Melbourne's season. Uh, they have three wins through nine games. Obviously, last year we did it in spectacular style. The, the season before, I think we won a round 23 game that eliminated them from finals, and we got that last spot instead. So, you know, g'day, Clayton, if you're listening. Moving along off the Melbourne game, moving to the Waffle. And the Beagles came up against somewhat of an early rivalry game, you'd suggest, up against East Perth. And they fell flat on their face. East Perth have been down on their luck. The Beagles might have been coming into this one licking their lips and really hoping for a really good showing. It did not eventuate. Seven goals, 10-52. They were defeated. East Perth, 13-8-86. Pretty sound uh, result in the end. Keys, I believe you went down and saw it. There were a couple of guys missing. Marston, Brander, a few of the guys held over for the Eagles game the following day as well. So not a full-strength Beagles side, but what went wrong? Um. I think just got they got outworked. Purely simple as that. I, but and and the forward line efficiency was uh, was well down. I think our, our forward fifty entries were were pretty crap. East Perth made a lot more of theirs. I, I think I'm right in saying that uh, we actually had more inside fifties than than them, but just just couldn't convert. I don't like harping on umpiring, but the umpiring was was dismal. I think we I think. Don't get me wrong, I think East Perth deserved the win, but I think it, uh, it contributed to the margin. There was some really odd free kicks. Uh, and, and middle East, the Beagles were uh, the beneficiary of a couple of them. I think the first goal we got was uh, 50 metre given to uh, Xavier O'Neill, which was I've no idea what it was for. But I think, yeah, through the middle, they, East Perth were cleaner. Um, it was a cold night, but the conditions uh, didn't seem to be greasy or anything like that. And it wasn't a there was a there was a slight breeze that meant the ball drifted a little bit, but it wasn't windy. So I think in the in the report on the Eagles side, they sort of said something about difficult conditions or challenging conditions. I don't know if that's a, a, a true reflection of what the, the conditions were like. Uh, and yeah, in the end. Yeah, East Perth were just, they were just better. I think it's one of those things I've, I've touched on it previously when discussing the Beagles. I think the Waffle teams do lift when they come up against them. I think there's a there's a general feeling of uh, wanting to give the Eagles a bit of a whack and and not being, you know, put these guys back in their box. You know, I think you've got players at Waffle Clubs that might think that maybe they've been hard done by or, you know, or, or just want to prove a point to a, a younger guy. We did have a lot of young guys out there. I think I think I counted up. We had 15 listed players, but you know, you're talking guys like Edwards, Williams, O'Neill, Foley, uh, Cameron. You know, you, a lot of the younger guys. We didn't have a lot of we didn't have a lot of experienced heads out there. Um, so that that probably counted. I mean, neither did East Perth, to be fair. Um, but yeah, they obviously set themselves for a for a big game and, and, and played better on the better side of the night. 
KK, we'll get into it a little bit more when we get to the changes, but at first pass for me, Archie stands out, 23 touches, seven marks. Uh, Matt Allen, 20 touches, nine inside 50s and a goal. Given that the Eagles are going to be forced into a few changes this week, do you think there's space for these sorts of guys or is it more of a, we're looking more for a like-for-like with, you know, looking to replace a Hickey or a Jetta, these sorts of guys? I think with the guys that are going to be replacing, there aren't really natural replacements. I think a one-for-one might be a bit hard. So it's probably a good opportunity to maybe change the mix up. And so to say Matt Allen, if you look at the form over the season, it's probably the guy who's been um, putting putting himself forward more than any of the other players players are. And, yeah, I, I think there's definitely a spot for him in the team this week. Keys, Adam Simpson did a... a presser today and Jared Cameron's name has come up in that. Now, on a purely statistical output, uh, he doesn't certainly leap off the page at you, but 12 goals... Uh, sorry, wow, that would leap off the page, excuse me. 12 disposals and one goal, I should say, for Cameron on the weekend uh, in return from injury, I believe. Do you think there's a chance that we see him make the AFL side this week or in the coming weeks? Or, you know, What are you seeing at ground level that maybe the numbers don't tell us? Yeah, yeah very quiet first half. I'm going off memory, but I think at half time he may have only had two touches. Much improved second half. Um, I think there's something with Cameron the club seemed to like. I, I, I remember being surprised when he got included in the side for the first JLT game because he hadn't been training much. And, and while I'd seen him through the preseason, didn't really scream that he was ready for AFL. I mean, he looks like a 12 year old boy when he's out there. So, look, he had an encouraging second half. I, I wasn't the sort of thing where at the ground you think, well, that guy looks like he's ready to jump in and play AFL. So I was probably surprised to see his name come up the way it did in the press conference. Um, but now it has. I think the fact that Venables is out, they may look at using that as an opportunity to expose Cameron. As I said, they do seem to like what he brings. Whether Indigenous rounds got anything to do with it, I don't know. Seems a funny way to base your selections, but maybe it does influence them. Yeah, but he's just, I think he's just one of those things that I want to probably get him in there sooner rather than later just to expose him to the AFL footy. So the Beagles next take the field Saturday, May 25. So this Saturday uh, looks to be running at a similar time to the Eagles-Adelaide game, so perhaps not an opportunity for too many people to get around that one, but hopefully some good match reports come out of that. And uh, I believe the club's streaming as well, uh, all the waffle games this year, or certainly they have been for the last few weeks, so maybe an opportunity to catch it on the replay. Swan Districts, one of the few sides below the Eagles, or the Beagles, I should say, on the ladder, so be an interesting one. And, yeah, hopefully the Beagles can return to the winner's circle pretty shortly. A couple of injuries, a couple of news stories to come out of the Melbourne game. First one, easiest one to deal with, Lewis Jetta uh, was suspended for what was deemed a dangerous tackle. KK, your view on that one? Do you think he deserved to go for that, that impact? Given the way it's interpreted, I have to say, yeah, it was, I could see why he got suspended and... I can see why the club didn't challenge because there was really no hope of success. Again, it throws up the sort of disconnect between the umpire and in the tribunal that umpire two metres away can award him a free kick and then the tribunal comes along and suspends him for the same thing. And the fact that if it wasn't for two ridiculous holding the ball decisions missed immediately prior, 
the whole incident wouldn't even have happened. It was so obvious even Melbourne were expecting the free kick to go. So I feel for Vegeta, it's I don't think it's a dangerous tackle. He's he's used the force required to bring the play to ground. You can't really anticipate that the Melbourne player is going to offer no resistance at all, or that the umpire is going to wait until he brings him to ground before pinging for holding the ball. Um, so he's unlucky, but I can see why he's been suspended. So just getting through a few injuries, uh, a few of the easier ones to deal with. Tom Barras with the foot injury, seven to nine weeks is his time frame, so it's moving down, albeit slowly. Paddy Bynes with the hernia is still listed as TBC. Don't expect him to feature at all this season. Harry Edwards, unfortunately, another stress issue with the foot. That's another one for uh, the Eagles. And indeed, Freo had Matt Taberner lose his season to a similar issue this week. So looks like there's you know more reality than not in the theory that the Optus surface might be contributing to those stress issues, unfortunately. I, I, don't, sorry, I don't know that it's just necessarily Optus. I think it's... I, if, I, if you go back five or six years, maybe a little bit longer, I don't remember as many foot injuries across the league as what we're getting. It seems, I think I've said in the previous podcast that it seems to be the current generation's osteitis pubis, the sort of injury that that uh, didn't really used to exist but now seems to become quite quite common. It's not unusual to see guys having... I mean, I mean two years ago I'd never heard of turf toe and now it's a, a name, an injury that seems to pop up, you know, reasonably often. It's just... Whatever... Don't know what the reasons behind it. I'm sure Medicos are looking at it, but it just seems to be something that is a specifically for our club, but across the league. Yeah, definitely something to monitor. Uh, unfortunately, the Eagles have already lost a few to it, so hopefully uh, Harry Edwards is the last one. And pretty disappointing given the way he's been playing. Somewhat of a surprise packet in the waffles, so be good to get him back out onto the field sooner rather than later. Chris Marston, one to two weeks with some hamstring awareness. That caused a bit of a stir on the board, but we'll fire on past that one. Dan Venables with the concussion, really nasty concussion against Melbourne, and Simo has suggested today that he will miss games, plural, uh, which I think it's fair to say as well. Guy looked in a right state, but, you know, hopefully... I mean, I don't believe he had to go to hospital. I think he stayed at the ground and watched the end of the game in the rooms, so fingers crossed that there's no long-term issues there for DV. Francis Watson, two weeks with a shoulder. And then there's a couple that are worth talking about for this week. Will Schofield was a laid out last week with soreness. Keys, we will get to the changes later, but just quickly, do you think he's going to come straight back in, presuming medically he's clear to go? I think so, yeah. KK? Uh, yeah, I think probably probably so. He seems to be um, someone that the, the club wants to have in the 22 with Barras out. So if he's available, then I think he'll be in. Jared Brander missed the waffle last week with what we later found out was a hamstring issue. He has been listed as a test this week, and again, another name that came up in the press conference. Uh, we're playing an away game. It's against a pretty solid side in form. Is there a chance we see Jared Brander this week, Keys? Uh, not coming off an injury, I don't think. Um, if he had played last weekend, he may have been, but I'd, I'd be really surprised if they bring him in to a, an away game coming off an injury, even though he does seem to be our in-and-out away game specialist. And the last one, one of the true superstars of football, closing in on a return, albeit we don't know when. There were a few, let's say, whispers this week, a couple of rumblings that Nick Nat might be wanting to play, whether that translates to available to play, who knows. Still listed as indefinite uh, with, obviously, the ACL injury on the official injury report. 
KK, do you think there's any danger that we see Nick Nat before the buy, or is this all just you know media making a story because you know it's a Nick Nat and everybody's going to click on it? I think it's media. I think they've had a timeline for a while that would be post buy, and the buy sort of fits into the nice spot in terms of his in terms of his recovery. So I don't think we'll see him before the buy. I'm going to I'm going to disagree. I think you'll find that Nick Nat he'll go from indefinite on the injury list to named in the side. Not this week. Um, I think the buy's been a convenient target date for the club to trot out to the media to say, yeah, after the buy, after the buy. They've run with that line for basically since they came back to, to pre-season, that that's when they were targeting. I think what they they, they are well aware of the circus that's going to create, that's going to be generated when Nat Nui is named. So I think what they've done is they've put the buy out. I think they're, they're quite comfortable leaving that publicly as a date so that, you know, to try and minimise the talk and and the hype around it. Um, but I think you'll find that uh, at some point he'll, he'll be just snuck into the site and it wouldn't surprise me at all for him to come in uh, Joe Danaher at Essendon style as a uh, a ten thousand dollar fine come in not named in the side but brought in to play on the on game day just to circuit break the uh, the press that it will generate and I've seen him train a fair bit over the last he looked ready to play a month ago the way he was moving so I think they're doing a lot of work with him behind closed doors getting his fitness up. I think Gaff said, or it might have been Gaff and or Simpson sort of said that he was sort of disrupting things quite significantly in one of the match sim training sessions. I think he's not far off being ready, but the club are just not so much playing silly buggers, but just, just letting everyone wait so that we're not having this thing that becomes a constant guessing game as oh, is Nat Nui back this week, is he back this week? So that's why they're running with the bye. Won't surprise me in the slightest if we see him next week against the Bulldogs. Easier for the players too as well. You know, you, some journo puts a mic in your face. All you have to remember is, nah, that's the bye. You know, you don't have to get into any of the details. It's easy for the club to trot that out. Keys, do you know if Nick Nat's been travelling? I know he's obviously in the coach's box and on the bench occasionally uh, at home games, and he certainly was throughout last season, you know, travelling that is. Has he been travelling this season with the coaching staff? I think... I, I don't know for sure. I, I, I've got a, a, a recollection that once or twice he has travelled with the side. Um, so I don't think he always does that. But I do. I, I have a, a fairly clear memory of one of the games you know, that he, he travelled over with them. So uh, you know, there's there's that they can use that as saying, oh, he's just travelling as a, in a coaching capacity if they want to sneak him in for an away game. But I think it's probably more likely that if they do play him before the bye, I suspect it'll be a home game, simply so that they've got him at home for recovery, um, which is why I'm saying the, the Bulldogs game. If he doesn't play in the Bulldogs game, I don't think he'll play against Sydney the week after, simply because I don't think they'll want to have him play and then get on a plane to come home. All right, the Eagles have a game this weekend, as always. And as always, it's a tough game, a bit of a danger game. We're playing away. Adelaide Oval, somewhat of a home away from home. 
seven wins and two losses in our history at the venue, but the Adelaide Crows are in a really solid form over the last couple of weeks. Uh, frustrating one-point loss last weekend against Brisbane at the Gabba, but prior to that, they fired off a really strong month of footy. KK, what's your early thoughts on what's going to happen in this game? And given we've got a fair few force changes to make, who are you expecting to see line up for the Eagles this week? I think the Crows are running a bit similar to us. They've, they've strung some wins together, but they haven't really had um, the highest quality opposition. So they're probably thinking, feeling like we are, that they're, they're building a bit of form, haven't hit their peak, but they're in the, the spot that they, they'd like to be. And I think it's going to be a, a really big challenge for us. I think it's six versus seventh on the ladder or fifth versus six, I can't remember, but we're very close. And, yeah, all indications that are it's going to be a good game. Um, they're at home, but it's been a happy hunting ground for us as well. There remains to be seen if playing at Optus rather than Subi has an impact on our form at a place like Adelaide Oval. So I think our form there was largely to do with the similar ground dimensions, in terms, especially the width of the ground was quite similar to Subi. So Optus might be helping us at some grounds, i.e. MCG, but might be hurting us at other ones. I think uh, we're going to do changes now? Yeah, let's do it. Look, I'll just quickly run through Adelaide. They've obviously, uh, as you said, put some solid but not special football together. Uh, but they do have a fair few troops on the way back in. Josh Jenkins kicked six in the sandfall this week. Uh, Richard Douglas, I think he's back through the sandfall last week as well. Matt Crouch uh, was a late out, I believe, last week, or he's certainly an out last week, but he's set to come back in. So they've got some guys, you know, Malira, Seedsman, these sorts of guys that are possible to, to re-enter the side. And obviously the Eagles have a few force changes coming up. So, yeah, KK, who do you think we'll be bringing in uh, for the three force changes? Yeah, I think Jed is probably a, a really hard one to cover, just that we don't have really anyone with his um, ability with the ball in hand in our back half. I, I think Rotham might get the Guernsey, and I... I Probably quite happy with that. Uh, so we're rather in for Jetta. Brooksby's name's been thrown around. Well, I don't. I don't think we're actually going to go that way. I think we might stick with Vardy as the main ruck, um, and it might be a reverse of the swap for last week. The Hickey comes out, Schofield comes in, um, Allen gets pushed forward, and is that that chop out one? And then replacement for Venables. I I think it might be Allen's. I think it's out of Allen or Waterman. I mean, Waterman maybe make us a bit tall, um, but he's he's mobile and he does cover a, a lot of ground and sort of can play that that half forward role pretty well. But I've got a suspicion it might be Matt Allen coming for a debut in Venable's spot. And with three force chains, I don't see us making any other changes, particularly um, after a three-game winning streak. Although I always expect us to have a mystery injury come out of nowhere on Thursday and someone to be replaced. Yeah, it's a good approach to take. You never really know with uh, the late outs, with the way the Eagles have been naming their sides lately. Um, by and large, I think I agree with that. Yep, Schofield to come in for Hickey. Uh, you know, I suppose might as well be for Hickey, let's say. Uh, and then Matt Allen to do... So, excuse me, Oscar Allen to do a bit of the rucking. Matt Allen to come in for a debut, fingers crossed, uh, at the expense of somebody, let's say, Venables, and then Rotham to come in for Jetta for me. Keys, agree with those changes? Do you think there's room to make any unforced changes this weekend? I don't think so. I think this match committee under Simpson have shown that they they put a, uh, a premium on stability. 
I don't think they like making a lot of changes, given that we've got three force changes. I, I'd be surprised if we make a, a four, a, an unforced change. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I think probably the only one on form that you would you would probably look at as being a definite candidate to, would, would perhaps be Vardy. But I think the comment I saw from Prince Simpson's press conference was that he's going to back Vardy in. So I was pretty much poured cold water on any notion that he might be dropped. I think I agree. Rotham seems to be the most likely to come in for Jetta, although I've seen Nelson's name thrown around a little bit in places. Uh, so he would he'd possibly be a, a chance, but I think when Jetta missed in round three or four, uh, it was Rotham that, that sort of played in in his place, so I would imagine that it's going to be Rotham. Um, yeah, Schofield, I already said, would come in uh, and that he'd be got the life kicker replacement, but that pushes uh, Oscar Allen forward and and share the ruck with Vardy. The replacement for Venables is a bit more open-ended. I, I think you've got Matthew Allen, Waterman, uh, Archie, and we discussed a little bit earlier, is, is possibly Cameron. I think in the changes thread, I put uh, Cheese name up and stay with that for the time being, just as I think he's a little bit more mobile on the wet grounds that might give him the nod in front of Allen and Matthew Allen and Waterman as he's a bit more of a, a marking player. But it also opens the door for uh, Cameron if they want to try that and get a bit more pace and... Uh, and coming off, off the ground, especially with uh, Oscar Allen moving back into the forward line, which you know, we've just discussed in the past, whether that unbalances it with, with three marking targets. KK, we've talked about in the past uh, Mark Hutchings, and indeed you brought him up earlier on in the podcast this week. He seems to have taken over the Chris Marston role since Marston uh, left the side. Obviously quite a formidable tagger, but he's not been doing that a lot lately. Now, personally, I thought for sure he would tag on the weekend with the state of Melbourne's midfield. Do you think there's a job for him this weekend up against Adelaide? Who would you pick for him to run with if indeed that is an avenue that they look down? I think Sloan's the obvious one if he's going to do a tagging job this week. Uh, I don't know if Matt Crouch is going to come back in, though rightly or wrongly, I've always sort of thought that Matt Crouch is a a bit of a Prittis-style player and maybe not be the the most beneficial guy to tag. He'll get a lot of the ball, but he's not going to be um, as damaging that real driving force of the team that Sloan is. So I think he's the clear the clear standout. And I think Hutchings has got the the game to, to match up with Sloan. And he's um he's good enough overhead that he can compete with, with Sloan around the ground because Sloan's a pretty good mark of the footy. And I, I think I'd like to see him back to the tagging role. I, I don't think playing him in a non-tagging role is really getting the best out of him or or conversely him being the best choice for a player to play in that position. Yeah, I touched on it earlier. I think it's a bit of a tough balance because I criticised his defensive work, but a guy like Dom Sheed playing that role, obviously it is a role that perhaps trends a little defensively, but you know, Sheed when he's outside and he's getting the ball in space is, uh, I found, surprisingly better on the weekend you know and when he was in tight I found him quite frustrating to watch which historically I would have thought to be his strength versus you know playing outside not a particularly quick maybe not a pinpoint precision pass or anything like this so 
perhaps that's something where they could switch the midfield dynamic up a little bit and uh, try and maximise everybody's strengths. Keys, the forecast on the weekend is for a bit of rain. Now, Adelaide go in decently tall, particularly up forward, and especially if they bring Jenkins back. We've all agreed on, near enough to agreed on some lineups that are fairly tall ourselves, and the Eagles' history in the wet quite well documented. So is that something that you think is a concern, or is that something that you think the Eagles have just, you know, going to have to deal with, or maybe it'll affect both sides equally? Yeah, I, I think wet, wet weather's something that we're going to cop. You know, it's a, it's a winter sport, so you're going to get wet games. I think we like our structure, so we don't seem to like adjusting the structure for wet games, so we're just going to have to learn to, to deal with it. I think the balance, if the changes are what we, we've sort of said, I, I think we I think we sometimes get hung up on, on the tools. I think you're, you're sort of running at least with six, which is two Brooklyn effectively, two tools down back and two tools up forward. If we go with what we said, we're, we're pretty much sticking with that. Matthew Allen and Waterman, if, if either one of those plays, maybe gets us a little on the tall side, as does Rotham. But those guys are pretty agile for their size. Adelaide aren't particularly quick side. So and I think sometimes in the wet weather, I think where we've been exposed is not necessarily because it, 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 the spoon sides have been a bit quicker and they've exposed our, our, our mids as a group are not explosive pace-wise. Um, so we, whether it's wet or dry, we, we, we can get exposed for pace. And I think Melbourne did do that a little bit, running the ball through the middle on the weekend, even when it was dry. So it's just that ground ball. I think we've, there's some stats running around. I think we've been pretty low in ground ball gets. That's a lot of time. That's intent, and I think that's something that the club. I think they've been working on it. I think that's Simpson's alluded to it in some of his press conference, and and and, and that. And I don't think our intent's been there. Um, on the inverse, I think once we get that to gel, it will be better, whether it's wet or dry. KK, a quick one for you, and then we'll get into our predictions. Alex Keith, I don't know what the media's like in South Australia. I don't think there's been enough of it nationally. I certainly haven't seen a lot. Fair to say, well, in my opinion, he's probably the best-kept secret in footy. Is there a lot of buzz around him at the moment, or is that something that's still sort of flying under the radar? I think he's flying a bit under the radar even over here. Um, obviously, with the, the elections kind of dominated all the media over here at the moment, and I haven't seen as much of the Crows this season as I, I normally would have. But he's um, he's really good stories. He obviously came from another sport off the rookie list, and um, the Crows have done really well with finding guys late in the draft or off off rookie lists, um, sort of covered up somewhat for the all the draft picks they lost in the whole Tibbet fiasco. So no, I don't think he's really getting the hype too much. People still sort of think of Talia when they think about Adelaide's tall defenders. But he's a very underrated player and I guess the Crows they suffer from the same problem we do that if you're not in Victoria you don't you don't exist. I'm sure if he was doing the same thing for Richmond or Collingwood he'd be penciled into the all Australian team by now. Yeah, certainly something to watch, and I think a few people are going to be uh, pretty frustrated at the amount of times we kick it to him or he ruins our forward play this week, so something to watch on the board. Uh, KK, we'll stay with you. Your predictions for the game. Who's going to win? How much are they going to win by? And which eagle is going to impress us for most? Yeah, I think the Crows don't like the wet um, in the same way that we don't. They, they probably will affect us more. I, I'm going to tip the Crows in this one. I think Jed is a really 
big loss. Part of part of the issue we had last week and a few previous weeks, we've just been really stagnant, moving the ball out of out of the back line. We've been caught up kicking long to the wing and then haven't been taking contested marks at the normal rate, and that that's really hampered our ball movement. And really, Hearn and Jed are the two guys that have the ability to take on those difficult kicks and execute them at a high enough rate to make it worth taking the risk. So I have a fear that we're going to struggle to, to score enough goals this weekend. On the flip side, the Crows are pretty tall in defence, and I think if, if Rioli backs up second week back from an injury with a good game and, and Cripps and Ryan continue their form, I think we can definitely cause some troubles inside our forward 50. But I just don't know if we're going to get the ball down there often enough. So I'm going to tip... Tip the Crows by, by 15 points. I think it'll be a, a tight game all day. I think they're probably just going to get over the line. And uh, for our best player, I think Kennedy always seems to play well at Adelaide Oval. So I'll just back him to, to continue that. But he, he might sort of struggle with support. It's a bit of a dumb thing to say that he'll be our best player and he won't kick enough goals to win, but so be it. Kennedy will kick seven and the Eagles will kick seven. Uh, and he'll be our best player and we'll lose. That's a good good prediction. Okay. Uh, Keys, over to you. Your thoughts on what's going to happen this weekend? Because it's in Adelaide, I think uh, Adelaide, despite the fact that we've got a pretty good record on that ground, uh, so I'm going to go Crows by 10. Uh, and I think the ball might live in Adelaide's forward half a fair bit. So I'm going to go Shepherd as being our best player. Short and sweet, very good. Uh, I'm going to make it a clean sweep, three from three. I think it's probably almost guaranteed you'd have to pick Adelaide this weekend. I'm going to say the Crows win by about 26, though I will say, look, if we do win, some people are upset, some people are complaining. We're obviously not blowing anybody off the park as of yet. Uh, we don't look like you know a side roaring through this premiership defence, but if we win this and go to seven and three, we've played a lot of the good sides, a, few, a fair few we've played away. I think this is a massive week of footy for the Eagles' season. If we win this, uh, the top four certainly, but even the top two dream really comes back alive, I would say, because, as I say, you know they've, they've played some tough sides and they've answered more challenges than they've not if they win this weekend, so fingers crossed. For myself, for the best player for the Eagles, let's go with Dom Sheet. I've been giving him a bit of stick this week on the pod and indeed on the board, but I think you know sloppy game, it might suit a player like him. And if we can get him the footy regularly or if he can impact himself a little more at the contest, he might be on for a good game. Uh, watching the way the Crows played, particularly a few weeks ago against Freo, it was absolutely dire. Lots of contested footy, so maybe a good week for a guy like Dom Sheed. All right, question time. Now, the mid-season draft is running next week for the first time in a long time, and the Eagles currently do not have a pick. We've seen a lot of guys around footy deciding that this week and last week and the week before was time to call it quits and retire. Uh, We've seen a couple of guys being put on the long-term injury list. So as of yet, as I said, the Eagles don't have a pick, but we could possibly manufacture one if we got a bit creative with it. KK, do you think there is scope for the Eagles to retire somebody, maybe entice somebody to retire or... You know, hopefully not Barass, but perhaps a guy, you know, put a guy on a long-term injury list. Is there a way that we can manufacture a pick for next Monday's draft? Can you just uh, fill me in on the, the mid-season draft rules? Is it in terms of how long 
drafted players are contracted for. Oh shit, you put me on the spot. I think that you get them for the rest of the year, and then you have like a almost like a restricted free agent. You have first dibs at them next year, but I don't believe you get them for the full year and a half. Though I may be wrong. I don't know. I think it's sort of much ado about nothing. I don't. I don't know if we really want to go crazy just to manufacture a pick in a for the mid-season draft. If we if we identified a specific like gap in our list um, that, that wasn't there at the start of the season, which I don't really think is if we'd had a lot of injuries or retirements or issues with one particular part of the ground, you might want to try and top that up in a mid-season draft. Otherwise, if you're not expecting anyone to be picked up to play this year, probably just wait till the end of the end of the season for me. Um, I haven't seen the, the guys who were nominated, but I think it sounds like it's quite a few players with AFL experience trying to get back onto lists and they're going to be pick up, picked up and used as depth or being being rookies, then I don't know if we're really missing much by not participating. Okay, is mid-season draft any way that the Eagles could manufacture a pick or we're going to stick with what we've got? I think I think we'll stick with what we've got. I think I'll just touch it. If you do pick up a player in the draft, I think you're effectively they're like a rookie list player. So get um, contracted for the remainder of the season, but then you've got you've got the ability to, to re rookie that player at the end of the season. So they become effectively like a list of player for you. Um, but if you decide you don't want to keep them, you, there's no obligation to keep them beyond this season, as I understand it. In terms of us, I think if you're looking at the mid-season draft to get a player that's going to help you push you over the edge to a premiership, you've uh, you've made a mistake at the uh, the end of the previous season with your list management. I think if you've got a side that's got a lot of injuries and you just need another healthy body, then I think it works. For us, the only way would be if there's someone we've kept our eye on that we want to get into the list and we had a guy who was on long-term injury, you'd maybe consider it. But I don't think we've got any guys who aren't expected back before the end of the season. And we're not going to tap a fully fit player mid-season to ask him to retire. So I doubt very much we'll get involved. Yeah, I reckon that'll do us for the week. It's been uh, an interesting one. We've obviously come off a prelim rematch that perhaps didn't live up to the hype, but now we're looking ahead to another much-hyped game. So fingers crossed we'll be here celebrating another win this time next week against a pretty strong opponent. You know, as I touched on, I really think a win this week for the Eagles would set up the rest of the season absolutely beautifully. Keys, thanks as always for coming on and uh, all the best for your continued search for gossip and rumours out on the road there. No worries. No uh, no BP deliveries tonight around the corner. So some people will know what I'm talking about. Most might. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, anyway. Very good. KK, fantastic as always to have you on. And you, Will you be getting to the game this weekend or not? Absolutely, yep. Um, I think I've, we've been underdogs every game I've been to at Adelaide Oval, and I've been to all of them, and we've only lost two, so one on another one. If you could do us all a favour and just you know, hand make a sign that just says, listen to the West Coast Eagles Big Footy pod, if we can get a bit of traction of that on Fox Footy, that'd be absolutely wonderful. So um, I'll be keeping a keen eye out for that, certainly. Yeah, it need to be a very keen eye. Yeah, indeed, indeed. All right, all good. Well... 
I believe that's us for the week. Thank you, as always, for listening. And if you've got any questions, feel free to submit them in the thread below or to send anybody uh, that's on the pod a private message through Big Footy. Other than that, fingers crossed for an Eagles win. Could be a massive win in the context of the season if they were able to get it. Uh, We will see you the same time next week and all the best for the remainder of round 10. See you later. Bye. Go, Go Eagles.